What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. The Jesse Blake Sports Report. Really? Oh, wait, really? The Jesse Blake Sports Report. That's it? Don't forget, it's the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. <laughs> you know, that's kind of redundant. Dude, is there a problem? You know, it's fine. I, I just, you know, I thought maybe you guys would come up with something, you know, good. Man, I just read it. You know what? Doesn't matter to me. I get paid by the word. <laughs> Let's do this. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Today's episode of the Jesse Blake Sports Report is brought to you by Dewar. That's D-U-E-R. Now, Dewar makes the world's most comfortable pants. And I know this because I am wearing Dewar pants. And they are very soft on my rear end. And I shouldn't just stop at pants. Because they also make the world's most comfortable shorts. So if, so if you want if you want to cut off the pants, you don't have to cut them off yourself. They also sell shorts. And and Dewar's clothes are made for simplicity and performance. So they, they want you to be able to go from like the office to like the bar. You know, it's it's made for everyday lifestyles. They don't only have pants and shorts, they also have like beanies and shirts and polos and tees. They have everything you need to build a great wardrobe. It's for comfort, style, and function. So you go to Dewar.ca, use the promo code SDPN, you'll get 15% off of your purchase. You don't even have to go to Dewar.ca. You're on this podcast right now. You can just click the link in the description of the show and I'll send you right to Dewar, where you can get the world's most comfortable pants. Today, we have a very special guest. And before we get started with this guest, I have to ask them a, a couple very important questions. Are you a paid actor? Absolutely not. Are you an AI-generated image that's learned to talk? Possible. Uh, are you are you producer Drew's brother? No. Okay. Okay. So we're bringing on producer Drew, who that was for you YouTube comments, who people don't believe is a real human. Yeah, I don't know why they don't believe I'm a real human. I guess it's just I could have been a figment of Steve's imagination all these years or something. But uh, I let it go for a long time. A few podcasts I joined, I made them put the black face over me, like the whole words <laughs> question mark and like silhouette, like those uh, documentaries. But yeah, here I am. Okay. And if, if you're not familiar with producer Drew, uh, anybody watching or listening, uh, he's the producer of Steve's content, really, all of it on uh, on Sportsnet, uh, Hat Picks and Dang It. And then this season, uh, Drew, you start producing the LFR, which has been an adventure, to say the least, right? Yeah. I mean, Steve's not very good at timing, as you know very well. So like, it'll be like, yeah, I'll have the video for you at 1 a.m. And I'm sitting there at 2.30 in the morning like, dude, I can only play Call of Duty for so long. Like, can you send the video already? And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 it's coming. It's coming. Uh, yeah. So it's an adventure when it comes to timing, for sure. Yeah. And like, you have nothing else to do. Like, you don't have a yeah, child yeah. or anything. You don't have a job. Like, nothing. You're just no, sitting there exactly. waiting for Steve. I love, I love running on three hours sleep. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and the reason I have you on today, uh, especially this week, is because you are a huge Avalanche fan. And we need to talk about what happened last night because... I, I had so many notes from the game. The Avalanche beat the 
Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 in overtime, and I was we're going to run down the game. We're just going to dissect the series as a whole. And then all of a sudden, John Cooper decides that he doesn't know what a line change is and that and how the game of hockey is always played. So post-game, I'm going to play this for uh, everybody listening. This is what John Cooper says in his post-game press conference. I thought we had a really strong first. We had the lead. Um, you know, I love this league. It's... Uh, it's the greatest league in the world. The people that run it are amazing. Everything about it, it's its like a dream come true for me, especially being a Canadian kid growing up and everything that's gone on. And a lot of times when you're, uh, you know, I've been part of some heartbreaking losses and, and defeats to, to teams that, that took us out and been with a group that just fights and fights and fights and they fought their way to <coughs> to a third Stanley Cup final in a row. And in a cap era when when it's so damn hard and the r- rules are put against you because you know the, the league wants parity. And I love that about the league. And that's what makes it tougher. And this, just watch this team, what they've gone through and the battling that's gone on. And, and we're all in this together, players, coaches, refs, everybody. But it just, it just this one's, this one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on, it was potential, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. So that's John Cooper post game, and he should probably uh, get an Oscar for that performance. <laughs> yeah. Forget forget Will Smith winning. It should have been John Cooper this year. And before we dive into it, I'm going to read what Hockey Ops said about what John Cooper's referring to because he's referring to. Nazem Kadri making a line change who scored the overtime winning goal. He made a line change with Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon appears to take a couple seconds to get to the bench while Nas is receiving his pass. So Cooper's upset because there was no too many men on the ice penalty called. He thought the line change was a little too much and that there should have been too many men uh, on the ice penalty called and that the overtime goal should have not counted. So Hockey Ops said in reference to that, A too many men on the ice penalty is a judgment call that can be made by any of the four on-ice officials. Following the game, Hockey Ops met with the four officials, as is their normal protocol, in discussing the winning goal. Each of the four officials advised that they did not see a too many men on the ice situation on the play. This call is not subjected to video review, either by Hockey Ops or the on-ice officials. Drew. Yes. This is yours. Take it away. What do you think? First things first, John Cooper, a bit of calling a uh, kettle black. Uh, don't you think with uh, the Islanders last year, game seven, you win one nothing on a goal you scored with literally seven players on the ice and not one of them fighting with the door. It was literally in the play and Barry Trotz was snapping and everything and didn't hear any comments about it then. Um, but now a line change that's made a hundred times a game, the exact same thing happens. And Tampa had seven skaters on the ice themselves. By the letter of the law, is it too many men because Kadri touched the puck when he switched to McKinnon? Yes. 
Is McKinnon fighting with the door and nowhere near the play or involved? Yes. Should Tampa have been able to stop Kadri when it's one on three and he's got a broken thumb? Also, yes. So I think maybe you should be mad at your defensive pair for letting Kadri walk through you and beat Vasilevsky more so than McKinnon fighting with the door because that affected the play at all. I mean, Kadri jumped a bit early. Did that help to play a little bit? Maybe, but come on, Cooper. The amount of breaks you've got in the last three full seasons, $18 million over the cap, give it a rest. Come on. And l- unless it's tactics, unless he's just trying to drive his team to give them motivation for next game, I can see that maybe. But that gave me a lot of, like, woe is me. Like, it, it almost sounded like they've given up on the final, didn't it? Like, the way he was, was speaking there. It, it did a little bit, but I, th- I think you you nailed what was, was happening with Cooper and his mentality. I think he's trying to because they need to do the impossible now. Come back from three one, and he needs to grab onto anything to try and motivate this team to come all the way back from three one. And if he thinks this is what it's gonna, what's gonna work and what's gonna get them to win the next three games in a row, like good for you. Like okay, go ahead and try this. But what you're saying isn't true. And and I didn't like the discourse that went on on hockey Twitter last night because a lot of smart hockey people pretended that they don't know what a line change looks like. And like counting the people who are a couple feet away from the bench or standing near the bench as on the ice when that happens, I don't know, five, ten times a game where everybody's making line changes and there's eight guys on the ice at once. Yeah, exactly. Like, Why are we pretending that that's not how the game is just working all the time? And let's not uh, like also like that would happen if they called that goal back, that goal gets called back a thousand times during the season. And if and people are like, oh, you should be able to challenge that. Can you imagine the nonsense if you could challenge too many men on the ice thing? Like, oh, wait, oh, his skate was kind of still on the ice when that goal was scored. Sorry, guys. Oh, and by the way, you're shorthanded because too many men's a penalty. If it went the other way, Twitter would be having an even bigger uproar. Can you imagine that goal was called back because McKinnon couldn't get the door open? Uh, it would be a mess. Right, yeah. This better not lead to this being added to video re- review because that's ridiculous. Like we're going way too far with that situation. But do you think? Do you think this is a, a tactic that John Cooper is using to kind of motivate the team? Because three ones an impossible uh, lead to surmount. It is impossible, but you also have now elimination game Vasilevsky, who's impossible to beat. So if any team can come back from three one, it's Tampa Bay. Am I confident Colorado is going to win the series? Yes. But at the same time, I mean, you could barely beat the guy last night in the game before that. So, I mean, kudos to Cooper if that's a tactic, but I'm not giving him that benefit. I don't think it was. I think he was just being a crybaby and whining about it because he was just upset. He was being a little sourpuss that they lost the game. They got absolutely dominated in overtime. Don't talk about the two posts Colorado hit right before that or the 12-2 shot advantage. Talk about the the literal line change that happened when your guys were also changing. Yeah, you think it's an emotional state that Cooper was in post game, and he's he's trying to just grab onto every excuse now because they're, the team did get dominant. Colorado was so much better uh, throughout the back half of that game. They they struggled a little there in the uh, in the first period, and then they kind of turned it on uh, to begin the second. Then they kind of wavered in the late seconds, and then overtime was all theirs. Like it was a great effort by uh, by the team. Yeah, the first 30 seconds when Tampa scored, I just was like, oh my God, is this really happening? And then it was after the first, they settled down. But yeah, I think we were shots 14 to two after the first. Mm -hmm. That was not a great start, not the start I wanted. But yeah, they came back and made it, they made it a series or made it a good game. Um, Little ugly goals on Vasilevsky, but that's how you got to beat them. 
And yeah, all playoffs, Cooper's been complaining about everything we saw against the Leafs. He didn't give the Leafs credit for one of their three wins. It was always like, oh yeah, we played bad. We played bad. Oh yeah, Campbell's not very good. Campbell's not very good. And then Florida, Florida dominated them. They got swept, but Florida was all over Tampa in most of those games. It was Vasilevsky. And then against the Rangers, Tampa came back. But yeah, Cooper, I think he's just being emotional. If you really thought it was too many men, I think he goes off more at the end and says like, this Wes McCauley's got to call this and blah, blah, blah. Instead, he's like, no. I got to talk about tomorrow because just in case I'm wrong, like he didn't want to, <laughs> he didn't want to commit fully to the bit. I don't think. Yeah, and where was the complaining at in the moment? Like exactly. when you were there, I didn't the, see him snapping. Like at least last year with Trots and the Islanders, you saw Trots like throwing things and yelling at the refs. Cooper was just calm, left the bench, and then afterwards he's like, "Oh, my heart breaks for our mm-hmm. team that's scammed the cap system and and done all this stuff the last two years." Oh, my heart breaks so much. It's a shame, too, that Nazem Kadri's moment is being overshown by this. You know, it's like we're taking away the, the comeback. You know, this is his first game back since breaking. It's, it's his thumb, right? Breaking his thumb, yeah. having surgery on it, and then comes back. He scores the OT winner. That should be the narrative. That's what we should have come on here this morning and talked yeah. about. It should have been like, celebrate Nazem Kadri. And it's a shame because now we're only talking about this ridiculous line change. Well, and that's why I loved Kadri's line after he's like, Puck went in the net, end of story. Like, I don't know what Cooper's talking about. Like, and he's right. Look, you're not reviewing it. The series is now 3-1. Get over it. Kadri scored the game winner. It was probably the weirdest Stanley Cup OT winner I've seen since Patrick Kane's. It was a game five against Philly when they won it 4-1. Yeah, uh, where nobody knew except for Patrick Kane. Except for Kane. In the, this was yeah. just weirder, though, because only Byram, who was like way back on defense, was like, that's in the net. It's in the net. And when Kadri's like so sure, pissed off that Vasilevsky made the save. And then, yeah, it was a weird celebration. Watching live, I was just like, what's happening? Is it in? Is it in? And I'm like, I don't even know. And then the I see the puck drop out. And I was like, well, does it count? Why are the refs like the refs were like talking about it. They weren't, didn't even say goal. They were like over the net. Like, Oh yeah, it's in the net. And I was like, can someone just signal goal so I can celebrate? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very anticlimactic in that sense. Yeah. Kadri was, he was, when he shot the puck, he started looking at Vasilevsky's pads to be like, okay, where is it? Where is it? When he's coming around the corner. Yeah. And then the, the refs finally made that call. And then did you, have you seen the, the clip of Stamkos? trying to cover the puck and then he fishes it out of the net and he tosses no, it away. No, I haven't away. seen that. So there's there's a little clip floating around of Stamkos. He kind of he kind of back he try to covers the puck with his his backhand and he takes it and he throws it out because it was you know it was stuck in the top yeah, of yeah, the yeah. net. He's the one who takes it out. So oh, a lot of people I were thought like, the refs hit it down. No, no, Stamkos who grabs it and a lot of people were like, oh, Stamkos trying to hide the fact that he scored, but that's not what he was trying to do. No, it's just a funny narrative that they had around there. And- All right. I was thinking too, like Kadri scoring that game winner. I've seen some rumors going around, people saying that he might, he has, he's up for the con Smythe because of that goal. But let's settle down with that. This is going to Kale McCarr and Nachushkin if they win the series. Yeah, I think it's a, a runaway uh, victory for Kale McCarr. If we look on sportsinteraction.com right now, he's 1.12 odds to win the con Smythe, which means if you were to bet $10 for Kale McCarr to win the con Smythe on Sports Interaction, you would win $1.20. That's yeah. how much of a favorite he is to win. And, and not even win a dollar twenty. You win 20 cents because you get your dollar back on that. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion that Makar is going to win the Smythe here. And I will say, if you're going to bet, if you want to bet the Tampa comeback, just bet Vasilevsky to win the Smythe because I'm sure it's like 30 or mm-hmm. 25 to 1 right now. It's probably way better odds than Tampa come back in the series. And if they do come back, it's going to be because of him, let's be honest. Uh, right now, it is 15 to 1. There you go for Vasilevsky to win the Smythe. Yeah, if, if you if you think there's a comeback to be had, uh, yeah, just bet it like game by game. Really, 
you know, you you just you do the three in a row. You do each game because uh, I assume they're going to be uh, underdogs going into each each game. And then, yeah, you just hammer the lightning. But I don't think either of us believe that that's going to happen. Right. No, I think it's going to end in five. I hope it ends in five. I was looking at flights this morning to Denver. I was like, how can I get the game five? And then uh, the cheapest round trip from Toronto is nine hundred dollars. And I was like, what? Oh. I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, the wife will kill me if I just spend, here's 900 bucks on the flight, probably 900 on a ticket and the crazy amount of merch I'll buy when I'm there, let's be honest. And then if I want to stay for the parade, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just, it's probably too expensive for me to get out there. Unless there's any Colorado fans watching that want to pay for my trip there. Like, it's also it. not a guaranteed victory. You yeah, know? I know, Imagine I know, you I know. get there and they lose and it's back to Tampa. Oh, I'd be so upset. I'm there and we lose for nothing. I'm just sitting there like, oh yeah, that was worth the $2,000 I spent to get here. <laughs> right. I think I think you'd have a better chance. It'd be like, it's a cheaper flight if they go back to Tampa for game six. Right. And I think they'd close the series there. Like if they lose game five, I think it'll go six and then they'll close it. I don't think we get a seven here. I think if they lose game five, it's going to seven. I don't think Tampa's losing the cup at home. Oh, this will be interesting. Yeah, it's it's a huge. This might be the whole series because a lot of people aren't gonna have faith in Colorado closing it out if they don't do it here in Game Five. You know, it's like this might be the entire Stanley Cup for them because if Tampa gets on a roll and they go back home, they're probably gonna close out at home, and then Game Seven, everybody's picking Tampa for Game Seven. Yeah, it's. I got I got the butterflies just thinking about if Colorado loses Game Five. We just can't lose it. Can't lose Game Five. It's just simple. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, Kemper's play? last night because that seems to be the biggest uh discrepancy between the two teams is the goaltending you mentioned Vasilevsky there and Kemper letting in a not so great goal on a backhand by Victor Hedman what did you think of his play so far in the series and last night I mean so far in the series it's been so so I think last night he played very very well though I mean the first period Tampa should have had four or five goals and he robbed them a bunch of times I mean yeah that Hedman goal was a weak one he's got to have that but he saved four should be goals in the first period so yeah, I mean, you take what you get and can get, right? I mean, I mean, he played great down the stretch. Besides that one headman blunder, I honestly think he may have been the better goalie. I mean, would would Colorado hit five posts in the third and overtime combined? So it's not like Vasilevsky was absolutely unbeatable. It was just those red things beside him uh, were stopping the puck a bunch. Yeah, they they definitely helped out. And and like um, on Tampa side, the the block shots were incredible. It was I can't really, it was, them. I don't know how you watch the whole Toronto series. It's just they're just clogged the middle and their guys are so big. I'm just like, oh, my God, get the puck through. Yeah. Every time uh, Colorado's in the zone, just the, there's four, five Tampa players right in the middle of the ice there and they're all blocking shots. It's incredible to watch. I just don't know. Like, I guess it's because Vasilevsky's such a huge human being, but like most goalies would hate that. Right. Because then you have like five bodies in front of you every single time. If that shot actually gets through. It's probably a goal, but he's just so huge. That's just going to hit his chest protector, which I think is illegal. But that's a conversation for another day. But um, yeah, it's just I don't know how they block so many shots. Credit to them. But like they're they're battlers. You kept seeing them dropping like flies, going to the dressing room, come back, block another one, go to the dressing room, come back. It's it's impressive the dedication they have. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you I think your theory is like on the right line about how how big Vassy is and that you can have the guy stand standing there right in front of the crease and he can see around them. Like he he's such a his visuals, his his sight lines to the puck are incredible and he's he's able to see everything and, and get in front of it. Yeah, if I if I saw Colorado playing defense like that and Kemper was like, Oh, where's the puck? Where's the puck? That's a goal ten out of ten times. It's just <laughs> you, you don't do that with with a regular goalie. So I mean that's why he's the best in the world. Sorry Sturkin. Right. <laughs> it's it's true. Like yeah. one one has the resume and one is just beginning their resume. Exactly. You know, let's let's wait a little on the Shusterkin Vassy talk. 
All right, so so we've covered the game. You think it's gonna? Do you think it's gonna end in five? Is that where you're leaning towards? I think it has to end in five if you're a Colorado fan. So I think it does. I'm gonna say six to two. Colorado wins the cup in a blowout. I think Tampa's just out of gas. It's just it's all the small things in the series. Colorado's just doing them better. And I think uh, your pick of six to two has a lot to do with your mental health and easing your <laughs> yes. stress. Oh uh, man, if it goes to overtime again, I will be, I'll be so stressed out. But then it'll be fun. Maybe you win the cup on an OT winner. That's always the best feeling. So anybody watching on YouTube, you'll see uh, producer Drew's background right now, and it is just filled with Av stuff. There's there's a championship banner. There's a Sackick there. There's another Sackick jersey on the on the side. Drew, we need to know, how did you become an Avs fan growing up in Ontario? Uh, long story short, I absolutely hated my older brother growing up, and he was a diehard Leafs fan. Um, I think I was like six or seven, and Colorado had just won the 96 Stanley Cup, so their merch was like all over the Walmarts and the stores around here, because that used to be a thing. Walmart used to have NHL merch. Uh, so I was walking through it, and my mom's like, hey, you want a jersey? I was like, sure. And then, like, that was the jersey I wore playing foot hockey at recess. I don't know if people know what that is yeah. uh, anywhere, but yeah, foot hockey was the best sport ever with a tennis ball on the field. Um, so I would rock the Colorado jersey, and I just became a fan. And then when I was 10, they won the Cup in 01, and that's I was all aboard the train. And uh, I remember I got third-degree burn or first-degree burn. I don't know which one's worse. I think is first-degree worse than third-degree? Uh, I think the number goes up the worse it is. So third's the worst. Okay, so I got first degree burned because I had a blow horn when I was 10 when they won the cup and I'm blowing it on the street. And for some reason, I blew it on my wrist and I didn't know that air horns are full of acid. So I was like, Burr, oh, and I got taken to the emergency room because I burnt my wrist. And I was like, I think my head back. I'm like, what kind of stupid kid was I blowing an air horn on my wrist? But I guess I was just like, dan, 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 dan. Oh, 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 like you don't realize there's fluid that comes out of those air horns. Uh, I had no idea. I'm a grown adult and I have no idea. That yeah, it was like from like a buck or two, one of the cheap ones that just blows and makes the noise. I didn't know that the aerosol spray burnt your skin. Um, and that was the night they won the championship in 2001. Yeah, yeah. so it was like 10 o'clock at night, like after after the game or whatever it was. I don't know what time the game was at. I might have been, I think it was in New Jersey games. No, it was in Colorado. So yeah, it might have been like 11 o'clock at night. But yeah, I blew it on my wrist and my mom was like, oh, you're such an idiot. Like, let's go. Um, so yeah, that happened. But yeah, that's how I became a Colorado fan. Can you call a six-year-old a bandwagon jumper? If so, then I'm a bandwagon jumper. But um, yeah, it's mainly because I despised, despised my older brother who loved the Leafs. And that's how it happened. That's so crazy. And like, I, I 100% relate to the, okay, we just saw the team win the championship and now there's that's my team because I, I was a St. Louis Rams fan when they were oh. in St. Louis and like all my life we grew up a St. Louis Rams fan because the greatest show on turf, Kurt yep. Warner, uh, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, when I was a kid, they won the Super Bowl. And that's the first Super Bowl I remember ever watching. And just because they won that time, I was like, oh, I'm a Rams fan. You know, little old me at like nine years old or whatever. is like, okay, that's my favorite team. They're the champions. And that's kind of just how kids form I feel like favorite that's, yeah, teams. It's always stupid reasons like that. Like the reason I'm a Bills fan is because they had a quarterback named Drew when I started watching football. <laughs> and it was Drew Bledsoe. And if I started watching a year before when he was on the Patriots, I would have enjoyed six Super Bowl rings the last 15, <laughs> or 18 years. So I was like... Why would I start a year late when Drew Bledsoe was on the Bills and like that was the only Drew? Drew Brees came in a year later. Like I could have been a Chargers fan. I just kids are dumb. They do dumb things. Right, and you just never know what's going to happen. So the so I guess the 2001 championship doesn't really count as experience in a championship, right? You're just a kid and all that. But I, yeah, I, mean, I wanted to know what it, what it felt like to win, but 
you haven't won yet either. Just like us Leafs fans, you're hey, still I, waiting for I your got first a first card. degree burn. That's that's all I remember about winning the 2001 Stanley Cup. Do you have a scar from it? No, it's gone now. Yeah. I guess it's just, I mean, 20 years later, I guess it's just gone. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I did for yeah. a bit, though. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's one hell of a memory. And like, what are, what are, what are your plans? So you can't, you're not going to fly out. Your wife's not going to let you. Do you have any celebration (laughs) plans if it actually happens? So I'm going to, I'm buying a big bottle of champagne. I'm going to be on the stream with Steve for game five. Um, We'll have the, the avalanche fan cam again, like we did for game four against the Oilers. So um, hopefully they win and you'll see me pop in champagne. I'll probably put like recycling bags all over my basement just because who knows where that's going to go. Like maybe I'll break my TV. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, you'll see me do that. But honestly, I don't know. Like maybe flights are cheaper to go to the parade if they win. I think that'd be a good experience to go see. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll go to the parade. I don't know if it happens. I think you need to get out there for the parade. Yeah. That's yeah. Like it's, it's a, you never know when you're going to get a next one. Exactly. Like the, the Raptors championship to me feels impossible. And I feel like I got my one and that's it. Like I'm never getting another one. But so like go experience that. You need to do it. So if let's say the Leafs were up 3-1 on Colorado playing game five in Denver, would you fly to Denver if it was cheaper than game six tickets in Toronto? If it was cheaper than game six tickets, 100%. Really? Because I would would find any way to get into that building for uh, the Leafs uh, if they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Like I got to be there no matter what. And if... The, the flight is cheaper than the tickets because Toronto is just crazy with those prices, then yeah, I think I think we do. I think we'd probably do it as a show. You know, like me, Steve, and Adam would probably fly out or something. Or Steve would probably have to stick around with you. Uh, maybe he just stream from the show. stands uh, in the stands with you guys beside him. Oh, there you go. And maybe you'll come out as a producer so the four of us could have uh, just a little row there. Yeah, it'd be a fun time. I'm just thinking because I looked at the prices of tickets and it's like $900 for the cheapest ticket in the house for Game 5 as of right now. And that's US, so it's probably, what's that, 1400 Canadian? And if that was in Toronto, pff, you're looking at at least three grand to get in the building, I'm thinking, for a Stanley Cup final clinching game. Yeah, because it's got to be at least double and then add some tax, you know? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's 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 hard to think about because it's so <laughs> far away and like the emotional state that you're in right now, experiencing this, like it takes a toll on you and it seems unbelievable. So it's like a very exciting. Like I can't even envision what that would be if the Leafs were in this situation. The only thing I will say, if somehow, some way, Colorado loses this series in seven games, I don't think I'll ever experience heartbreak at that magnitude again in my life i mean i got the 13 seconds with the kansas city chiefs and bills this year and that was already devastating but this will be that times 10 um yeah i'm just thinking about that i'm just like i don't even i would go into like a dark place for like a day or two just it would be sad yeah it's that's it's so hard to come back from you know at least at least you have a really really good team like saw some guys you can't resign coming back next year but at least you know you still have a shot next year but like losing in game seven to this after team being up 3-1 it'd be your habs feeling last year but multiplied because <laughs> the stanley cup's on the line right oh my god last year so depressing like, uh, I don't know if anybody, anybody watched the Steve Diego podcast after that loss. Like, we were so down. You guys were just everything. sad. It was just sadness. It was 100% sadness. Like, that was it. But yeah, it, it'd be times 100 for you if this is Stanley Cup Final 3-1 losing. And they're winning it in your building, holding the cup in Denver. <sighs> uh, yeah, just... Oh man! I don't Why even, are we putting this yeah, in? I don't want to think about it. Stop it! Stop it! Yeah, yeah, let's, get stop, it let's stop! Let's stop! Let's stop! Let's stop everything! 
Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. It was the perfect timing after a win. Like like you said, it would have been depressing if they had lost last night and you came on the show. So I, I really I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Check out Producer Drew's work on the Sportsnet YouTube channel, all of Steve's videos. And you do some stuff on your own as well. Um, I know during the NFL season, you have some really good picks uh, going into the weekend every week. Yeah, me and Cam Stewart host a football pick show. It's uh, we, we give our picks for every single game of the week. And uh, I will say once again, it's Toronto Maple Leafs fans out there. Thank you for Nazem Kadri. <laughs> now, the next portion of this podcast is 19+. plus. There's a responsible gaming link in the description of this podcast. You can click that there if you, if you need those resources for responsible gambling. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN if you want to get involved in any betting action. That's the place to go, Sports Interaction. And I want to talk a little about Wimbledon and Serena Williams in particular. Now, Wimbledon kicks off on Monday, and Serena Williams is making her return to tennis after a year away because of a leg injury. Last year, she was in the first round of Wimbledon. She had to retire. It was like 3-3. She retired from the match, and she hasn't played tennis since. She actually she played a double match, uh, doubles match this week, but she hasn't played a singles match on the uh, WTA since that first round at Wimbledon last year. And this is every time Serena Williams enters a Grand Slam, it's an important it's an important moment for the history of sports, the history of tennis especially, because she's sitting at 23 majors. 23 majors is one shy of Margaret Court's all-time record of 24 majors. And Serena Williams, she's 40 years old. She's been playing tennis all her life, essentially 40 years. And her time is winding down. As we can see, she's she hasn't won a major since 2017. The Australian Open in 2017 is the last major she she's won. And I would for me personally, and I think in her mind, she's still chasing that 24. That 23 isn't good enough. She's been so close a number of times. She's been in a couple uh, finals, a couple final fours, and she's bowed out. I don't know if this is the time. I don't know if this is the ma- if this is the Grand Slam, but I think she takes enough cracks at this that she gets to 24 and then eventually 25 and gets that all-time record. I know... I I don't know, but I think that 23 must be weighing on her. And that's the reason why you fight back from a leg injury. And she said in a presser this week that she didn't know if she'd return to tennis at all. And she had to fight all the way back. And right now on sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN, she's around 14 to 1 odds to win Wimbledon. My money's on Serena simply for the storyline, simply for the greatest tennis player of all time, in my mind, to have the greatest accomplishment, to have that 24th major tie Margaret Court's all-time record. And then hopefully she carries this momentum to the U.S. Open where she can break the all-time record. Like that's, uh, my my heart melts at the idea of Serena doing this. I want to see her accomplish it. So that's where I'm going to be placing my money. And that's the storyline I'm going to be watching in sports the next couple weeks, uh, next two weeks of Wimbledon. I want to see Serena do it. I want to see what she's got. Like, we don't know. We She won a doubles match this week, so we do know she can still she can still do it. But we don't know 
what she has on the singles side of things, how competitive she'll be with the favorites, with the newcomers, with someone like Simona Halep, who's gonna who for me that's probably my second second pick to win the tournament. If it's not Serena, it's probably Simona. I want to see what she what Serena's got, but I'm my fingers are crossed that she pulls this off. I just want to get out there on this episode because by the time I record the next episode, that's already gonna be underway. And I just want to know that if you're watching, I'm watching with you. And it's gonna be one hell of a two weeks at Wimbledon. Also, go Nadal. Nadal fan. I want to see Nadal do it as well. So that's what I'm going to be watching. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks again to producer Drew for joining the show, talking a little avalanche lightning. We'll see what happens on Friday with that game. Oof. It's going to be close. I don't think we get the blowout that producer Drew wants. We'll see. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here right now watching or listening to this podcast, and I appreciate you very much. Have a great one. I'll see you next week. And that is how it's done. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake, powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him. No, he doesn't have an ego at all.